I'm going to read uh, this morning from Mark, uh, the fifth chapter, starting in verse 21. We're going to read right through to 43. Um, yeah, maybe we'll read first. Um, Mark 5, verse 21. Now, uh, know that uh, where we're picking it up here, Jesus has just healed um, a demoniac in shackles and chains on one side of the Sea of Galilee, on the east side. Uh, <clears throat> and uh, they're in, they, they got in the boat and went to the other side. And, and we pick it up in verse 21 in Mark 5. So Jesus' fame is growing immensely when, when we're reading here. He, it, it's um, relatively early in his ministry, and, um, uh, but, but the people are aware of who he is. And uh, so, verse 21, And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, you know, you know so they had to put that there? So, that, you know, he <laughs> didn't always walk over. <laughs> Sometimes he took the boat. <laughs> in the boat on the other side, a great crowd gathered about him. And he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, so that she may be made well and live. And he went with him. It's just, can I stop right there? And how, how significant this is. Now, this isn't the the leader of the the temple is a leader of the leader of synagogue but a synagogue uh in in these areas was a big deal this was a man of power and influence this was a, a well-known man a man who would have had um followers who would have had uh, um significance and money uh, and this man, who is used to people um, serving him, he bowed down before Jesus. The rabbi was in town, and he recognized the significance of Jesus, and he showed his absolute subservience to Jesus. He recognized that Jesus was who he said he was. <laughs> And so he bowed before him. This isn't just a polite bow. The word that they use here is like <laughs> right down on your, your forehead to the ground. He was, he was becoming very well known. And so he went with him, as we pick it up here, went with him right away. Jesus' heart is, this guy has come to me and, and I, I want to go and see this daughter. And he went with him right away. And a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. 
And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians. How many can identify with that? And had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house someone who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. They came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had entered, he said to them, Why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha kume, which means little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking for she was 12 years of age, and they were immediately overcome with amazement. And he strictly charged them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. <laughs> He's always caring about people, isn't he? <laughs> He's just so wonderful. What's happening here is, um, well, I, I read this story this week about Michelle Obama. And she's not my favorite, but, you know, you have to expose yourself to some things. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, people have dreams and, and uh, uh, hopes for their lives. And, and she got to live in the White House, and she got to be world famous. And, and uh, the article was about how... Oh, it's sad now that she can't drive herself. Her, her social security detail will, will not, um, or social services detail will not allow her to drive on her own. So she, since she became the president's wife, she hasn't been able to drive. Can't just go for a spin. Can't uh, get her head clear by <laughs> turning up the tunes and opening up, cranking down the windows and <laughs> going for a drive. She can't do that. 
But you can't just go and sit in a cafe and watch people go by. Because they're all watching her. She said that she, at one point, had, had considered putting on a disguise. And she, she thought, eh, that'll just get into the tabloids and I'll look worse off than I was at the beginning. So she's a bit of a, a trapped soul, <laughs> trapped by her fame, that everywhere she goes, she's recognized and, and, uh, and sought out. And Jesus was at that kind of a place. He's becoming very well known. Everybody knew who he was. The, the words that they use here for, um, uh, they thronged about him, you know, and the, the great crowd, a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. The idea is there's a whole bunch of folks pressing around Jesus. And, and so the picture, for, for me anyway, is, you know, you're... you're you're down by the water, and, and uh, this person, there's lots of people around, and they're looking for Jesus. They're looking for something from Jesus. And, and uh, this, this person comes, Jairus, the synagogue leader, and, and asks Jesus to do something. Now, he got to the head of the crowd because of who he was, right? He's a, he's a person of significance, so everybody would have made way for him. So the disciples then would have had to kind of form a flying wedge, <laughs> if you know football at all, but, uh, and, and kind of press through the crowd, make way for the, the rabbi Jesus. And they press through the crowd, allowing Jesus to walk with Jairus toward his daughter, toward his home. And the crowd insisted somehow that, that they get in. And so they're, they're all pressing in. And, and they make fun of Jesus because he says, who touched me later? Well, everybody's touching you. What's, what's, look at it. It was, a, it, was, it was a crowded scene. Lots of people looking for stuff from Jesus. And it's still that way. But Jesus is, is absolutely amazing in how he deals with this whole thing. It just, it just astounds me. It, it. So this woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. Now, the discharge of blood was unclean at that time. Um, what it says in um, Leviticus 15, verse 25 when a woman has a discharge of blood for many days at a time other than her monthly period or has a discharge that continues beyond her period, she will be unclean as long as she has the discharge, just as in the days of her period. Any bed she lies on while her discharge continues will be unclean as it is during her period. Whoever touches them will be unclean. He must wash his clothes and bathe with water, and he will be unclean till evening. The idea was that anyone that touched her or anyone that she touched was unclean. You didn't want to be unclean because then you'd have to <laughs> go and, and make the ritual cleansing, have the, the, uh, the cleansing that she would have had. You know, you go to, um, they had a, 
a building called a mikvah. And a, and a mikvah was a place where you would go for ritual cleansing. It was kind of a bathhouse. And, and um, the women coming off their monthly period would go there uh, and, and be cleansed and be reunited with their families. But it was she, 12 years. 12 years. That's over 4,000 days because you live those 12 years. 12 years flows from the tongue very quickly. But over 4,000 days, she lived them one at a time. One at a time. Being rejected. Having no one touch you and unable to touch anyone. That every, every place you sat was unclean. Every, everything you touched was unclean. Some of you know what, what it would be like. Because that, that, it drains you and you don't feel good. And so for 4,000, over 4,000 days, this woman felt that way. And you know that that word about unmet expectations, that would have ruled her life. And she would have had a chance to be very bitter and disappointed in God. And built a a resume sheet of all of the things that she had tried. Here's all the doctors that I've seen. You know, there's the, you know, the gynecologist and my GP, and there's the the naturopath, and there's the chiropractor, and there's, the, you know, like all of the people that she had been to. And yet, it says not only did she not get better, it got worse. What a disappointment. Where would we go to in, in that kind of a situation? Twelve long years. Over 4,000 days. I, I don't know where I would be. Harsh. Harsh. And yet, she knew, she knew that this was the day for her. She had to have that kind of an understanding for her to press in the way she did. There was a crowd there. And this is a frail woman. Now, she probably, 12 years ago, was a woman of some stature and, and uh, moneyed. Because, because people like me couldn't afford a physician then. Regular folks couldn't afford a physician. It was only the well-to-do that had physicians. And she had gone to them for 12 years. She... Who knows what her, what her husband and her family were about. But anything she touched was unclean. So, so if she prepared her food, it was the, the implements were unclean. You know she missed meals. You know that she wasn't strong. It, it, just, it just stands to reason. And yet, and yet she was able to press through the crowd. She had that kind of faith. Not a faith that, that said, look, I have done all of this, and so now God knows where I live, and unless he comes here to visit me, I guess I'm going to have to just live with what I've got. Because you get to that place. Right? I've lived all these years with this thing, 
I guess I'm stuck with it the rest of my life. But she wasn't willing to stay there. She wasn't willing to, to give up and say, I guess I'm just going to bleed to death slowly. She, she couldn't stay there. She couldn't stay in that place of rejection. That place of feeling like an orphan, like no one cared for her. There was no place for her. She wasn't willing to give up in any way. You've got to admire her for that. Yes. And remember where we are in that. Have we, have we given up on something that we've taken to God for a time or two? Or a couple thousand times? <laughs> is, is there something that we're just putting up with? Because we're living with it? Oh, I can live with that. That's okay. You know, I, I wish he'd come by my house and heal me. But it's her faith that made her well. <laughs> Jesus said that. <laughs> it's not her faith in, in, in what she had touched, but in God. Her faith was in God. Now we see... We see how important it is for God that we understand that he is a healer and that he heals all the time. There were 37 miracles that are, that are outlined in the, the Gospels, 37. Two-thirds of those are healing miracles, healings that God shows up in. It's important for God that we understand he is a healer. And what does it say about his character? He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if he was interested in us knowing that he's a healer, he's still interested in us knowing that he's a healer. He didn't give it up when the, the last apostle died. Oh, there he goes. Last one's gone. <laughs> That's my healing days. I'll go and have a holiday now, you know. <laughs> He didn't do that. He continued to heal people all the way through, and he's healing today. Ask Nick here. He heals miraculously and restores miraculously. And he wants us to actually believe that and not just give it lip service. Is there, is there someone in your household that needs your faith? Is there someone in, in your sphere of influence? They call it oikos in, in the Greek. It's the 12, 20, 30 people that you have significant influence with. Not just your nuclear family, but the people that you connect with regularly. That's your oikos. Is there someone in your oikos that you need to have faith for? Because God wants us to stir it up again. Pastor Bob, who is, is wonderfully prophetic, has said at least three times in this last month, stir up your faith. He said it from the pulpit. Stir up your faith. And it's up to us to do that, to not be satisfied with the status quo, to not be satisfied that this is the way I'm going to have to live the rest of my days. What is it that we need to, to, to believe him for? What is it that we need to press in for? 
Because that's what he wants us to do. So she is, this woman, had the discharge of blood for 12 long years, had suffered much. Two little words, suffered much. Can you feel the pain in that? Uh, like, just yesterday, driving in my, I got in my car to head home from here, and it was hot in my car, like an oven. I felt like a turkey that had been put in an oven. And I thought, this is suffering. <laughs> but it's not suffering much. <laughs> Because my air conditioning came on about 30 seconds later and I was hallelujah Jesusing. <laughs> it's amazing how quick we are. <laughs> anyway, she suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus. And came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. Now, now shall we make a theology about touching garments? Because <laughs> it was the garment that was touched. It wasn't Jesus. Jesus didn't touch her. Jesus didn't even speak to her. And she was healed. So is there a theology in that? A theology for healing? Now this part of the garment, this is, it, it's, it's a, it, it refers to a cloak, and the cloak was not the, the first layer of garment, it was kind of the second one, and the second layer of garment was kind of a square um, thing that they would put over them, and, and it had tassels on four corners. And, and it's understood that where she touched was actually the tassel, the tassel for a Jewish man was to remind him that he is a man of prayer and, and a man under God. And so is there something about a tassel? We need to wear them and, and kind of jiggle them around people in order for them to be healed? No, it has nothing to do with that. A couple of other times in, in the New Testament, they, Peter's shadow was what healed people, or, or a handkerchief from Paul was what healed people? Is, is, is that the healing theology? No, it's, it's about God and about him not being able to be put in a box. How is it that he's going to heal you or those that you love? Will it be different? When, when Nick was healed, it wasn't a great long prayer, and it wasn't, you know, uh, after all the worship and everything, it was, it, it was just, it was, it was almost a glance by, and, and God healed him immeasurably, and wonderfully, in, a, in, a, in a, a restoration way that was powerful. It was his faith, I'm sure, that made him well. Because, because God is that way. But how much faith does that take? And how do you, how do you work that up? Do you, do you sit in the dark, praying and squeezing the faith out? You know? Ah, I'm going to be faithful. 
You can't do that either. It's about God. It's about Jesus and about what he is doing. Now, Jesus, he notices that the power has gone out of him. And, and, and if you've prayed for any number of people, you've felt that before. Not every time, but sometimes you feel like a little electrical jolt or something. Or, or very often my hands warm up when I'm praying for somebody. You know, they, they get hot. <laughs> Uh, and, and it's just a, a recognition that God's at work. He's just showing, I'm here, and I'm moving. But there was something that Jesus needed to pay attention to, and so he stopped the train that was going. <laughs> Whoa, something's happened here. Can't just let that go. Now, other people were touching him. They must have been, because the, the, the apostles made fun of him. There was something that was taken from him. She stole her healing. Can you live with that? <laughs> like she took it without permission. There is nothing in here that says that she had permission to do that. She was unclean. What she did was to reach out and make him unclean. She did him a disservice. How would you do that to the rabbi? The rabbi can't now go and pray and pray for this little girl. You, unclean woman, may have caused the death of a 12-year-old girl. Whoa. We don't see some of that stuff. And yet in her holy theft, God paid attention. There was faith in this thing and in that faith God met her she was unclean now you see the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament here the, the covenant that God is making with his people in, in, the, in the old covenant she was unclean anything that she came in any one or anything that she came in contact with was unclean as well. God is interested in touch. The touch, the touch of that garment made her well. We have had the ability to touch one another stolen from us for the last year and a half. Thou shalt not hug. Thou shalt not come within six feet. Thou shalt not shaketh hands. <laughs> we can't do any of that stuff. And yet, it's important to God. The human touch is important to God. There is something in it that we need to pay attention to and not give up on. Let us remember to touch each other. Within bounds, of course. <laughs> With permission. But we can shake hands again. We can give each other a good brotherly, sisterly hug. <laughs> and we can, we can touch a shoulder when we are praying for someone. 
with permission. <laughs> but touch is important. There was, I read about um, the Tsar, uh, Alexander. Tsar Alexander of Russia. He was, he was uh, a forerunner in science. And there was this understanding that babies had this language that was the language of Eden. They spoke a kind of a heavenly language. But they lost it as they grew, as they were taught other languages. They were taught Russian, for example. And so he declared that a bunch of children, newborn children, would be put in a special nursery where no one was to touch them. They were to be left alone so that their language could remain un unfettered, unadulterated, unchanged by well-meaning nurses. The idea was that when they grew old enough to, have, to understand speech, they would then put them together with other children and they would communicate in this language of Eden. But in this scientific experiment, all of the children died because we are made to touch one another. Children without touch do not thrive. Children without, without contact do not thrive and ultimately did not live. Uh, the R Romanian dictator Ceausescu tried that as well and, 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 and it was just as much of a, a miserable failure because those, the, the kids that grew up in the orphanages there that weren't allowed to be loved and held and comforted grew up with detachment disorders and and were really hard to live around. Touch. Simple touch. God talks about it. God encourages us. Go lay hands on people. Touch is important. And touch is not to be just kind of allowed to go away. Let us not let no touching become the new normal. Let us touch one another, pray for one another, believe for one another. Now, I read as much as I read today so that you wouldn't be disappointed. I know that, that um, you know, we had Jairus' daughter at the beginning, and she was... Jairus had asked that Jesus would come and, and heal her. And, and uh, because Jesus stopped and dealt with this woman, maybe she died in that because of that. Maybe she wouldn't, but there she was dead when Jesus got to the house. And I, and, and I know that you're not going to want to leave it there. We're made for happy endings, aren't we? And so Jesus went to the house and, and said, she's not dead, she's sleeping. And the people at the house thought he was a comedian. They laughed at him. Sometimes when you're taking the message of Jesus to people, they laugh at you, they ridicule you, they make fun of you. 
But yet Jesus persisted. Had the unbelievers leave and just went in with his, his friends that had just seen this miraculous healing of this woman. They went into the room and with a word, no touch, with a word, she was raised up and healed fully. That Jesus is amazing. And then he cares so much that he says, oh, and give her some food. <laughs> like, like, it's not just, okay, she's had her healing, let her, let her be. Care for this person as well. Jesus is, is absolutely astounding in all of his ways. What do we do with a God like that? <laughs> Simply love him, you know. <laughs> So there we are. Is it time for us to press in? Is it time for us to stir up? To, to return to that time when we initially came to Jesus and we believed that he was the, the best thing ever. We loved him so much. He could do anything. It was wonderful. We just knew he wanted to heal everybody. And is it time to get back to that again? Because he's talking to us all about healing again. That's what I'm hearing from people. It's time. Last week there was a word, Shelley brought it, about, about the sword. Take the sword off the mantle. The sword is what reminds us the sword of the word. What reminds us of these stories. These stories that stir our faith. To get us off of our chairs and, and, and comfortable places. Get us off of the stuff that we've been doing. Now you, you look at this. This woman was unclean. Whatever you have been involved with. Whatever your favorite sin is does not preclude you from ministry in Jesus Christ. Don't stay away from it. Press in. Jesus will heal you along the way as well. Do give it up. Sin is bad. Sin bad. Okay? That's <laughs> is that clear? <laughs> That's from the pulpit. Sin is not good for you. <laughs> My pastor never talks about sin. I do so. <laughs> sin is bad. But it does not preclude you from giving away the goodness of God. Don't let the devil tell you that lie too. You may well be unclean as far as that goes. Pray for somebody. Believe for somebody. Give away the goodness of God. It's way better if you're not sinning. I mean, way better. We all like that. Way, you know, we, we vote you in if you're not sinning. But, but don't let it rob you. Because Jesus has dealt with your sin. You're the one that <laughs> is having an issue with it. Sharon, you should move away from that son. It's... <laughs> I keep thinking she's saluting me. <laughs> she's just keeping the sun out of her eyes. <laughs> I 
Jesus is looking for a pressing in people right now. A people who no matter how much we have gone through, how disappointed we might be in the natural, how disappointed we have been in the past. Why am I not better? Why is my mom not better? Why is my child not better? Why is my spouse not better? Press in at this point. Push through the crowd. Believe. Just, it will only take a word. It will only take a touch. It will only take the most fleeting moment to heal completely somebody that's been troubled for a long time. 4,000 horrible, gut-wrenching, soul-ripping days this woman went through. If, if, you've, if you've had any kind of illness, lingering illness, you know what it's like to go through every day, and every day you're tempted to just toss it all. Do not toss it all. Do not give up on God. Do not give up on Jesus. He is in the healing business the same way today that he was then. He loves you and he wants you to have a good life. And he is the author and perfecter of that good life. Will we believe with him and for him today? Press in. Stand with me if you would. Jesus, <laughs> how we love you, Lord. How we love you. Your word is so full of, of things that we, that we so easily glance over. How could someone reach out and make you unclean and yet receive her healing? I don't know that, Lord. But you do. And you didn't become unclean because you gave away healing after that. You're amazing. You are amazing. And your love for us is like the waves of the sea. It just keeps coming relentlessly toward us. Keep pounding us with that love, Lord. One day we're going to understand. Let us know that we can press in in this day. To press in and actually believe that you will. To actually believe that you want to. To actually believe that you're healing today as much as ever. Help us to be your people in this day. Strengthen us. Encourage us with your word. Let us, let us have the faith of this woman who for 12 years was rejected in every way. Let us have your faith to see your name be made great in this land. We bless you for your love for us. Thank you for each one, Lord. Would you, would you in your unique and wonderful way, touch each person at home, 
or here, touch each person differently than, than the person beside them or, or uh, in front of them. Or touch each of us in a wonderful way, showing us your great love for us. Lord, thank you for your sword, the sword of your word. Help us to recognize what it is and that it is our lifeblood. Let us take it off the mantle and do something wonderful with it, Lord. Let us be prepared in this day for whatever it is that the enemy is coming against us with because you are greater than any enemy that we can face. You are amazing. Pour out your love, Lord, in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Amen. Bless you. We'll see you at 6. We'll have the air conditioning on. Come on out.